over the word. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this time of worship that we can come before you once again. Guide Pastor Steve as he shares your word with us. May you bless to our understanding this reading from the word. Help us to continue to live by your teaching. In your name we pray, amen. Likely, likely many of you have family heirlooms or antiques in your home. Anybody? Family heirlooms or antiques? Um, that's not everybody. Does anybody know an individual who has like a classic or antique car, or you know of somebody who knows of somebody, uh, right? That would be more people. Maybe as you were living, you drove what would be considered now a antique or classic car. Maybe you've watched the Antiques Roadshow, you know, that show where these people, they come in and, and they, they bring in this item. It might be dirty. It might, they might not know much about it. And they, they bring it there and they say, well, can you tell me a little bit about this? And, and you get this little history lesson about what was going on at the time, what this particular thing was used for. And then, then comes the interesting part is the value the value of whatever that item would be. You know, it's interesting. The value of the items now are often significantly more than what they were before. If you think about a classic car, a brand new Mustang in the 60s was like $4,000, but that same 65 Mustang with a V8 would not be $4,000 today. Someone would have it and see it as this special possession. A friend of mine is currently going through the process of restoring a Ford Mustang. The guy I went to college with, he, every now and then I see pictures, and he said, straightened the frame, and you know, it shows the frame now all painted. Or the body cut out all the rust and replaced it, and you see this welded-in panel. Or you see this meticulously gone-over engine that's so pretty and painted. With anybody who's put in the work of restoring anything, bringing something back to its former beauty, you could say, they have that high value of whatever that item is, and, and they, they don't probably use it the same way that they did when it was new. Sure, when my friend gets done with his Mustang, it will not be a daily driver on the salty roads of Michigan in the winter. No, it'll be, it'll be put away and separated and, and probably covered for the winter until then the spring comes and the roads are clear. It's going to be used for a different purpose. You know, I have, I have something that I would call antique, or uh, it's right there. Um, it's a coffee mill. It's a coffee mill uh, produced by the Payday, is, is what is P-E-D-E. -E. It was a company that started in like the 
1860s in Cologne, Germany, but this particular one was made in the Netherlands, likely around the 1930s. There's nothing really intrinsically great about it. It isn't worth hundreds of dollars. But for me, I thought it was special and interesting. I enjoy coffee, and, and there's not a coincidence that the word grace is right next to all those different variations of the word coffee. But I, too, don't use this the same way someone would have in the 1930s. I don't have beans in it. You know, even though I, I could use it and it could function as a coffee maker, I have given it a different purpose to just be on the display, to be a special possession that I have. When we think about special possessions, whether they're antiques or classic cars, that's kind of the way God looks at each and every one of us. His special possession. So let's take a look at a passage this morning. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 13 through 25. And that'll be on page 980 in those black Bibles if you have them. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. Feel free to get out your phone or tablet if you use that. All right. Starting at verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last time for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so, your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Rather continue? Yeah. Uh, for all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass, grass wizard, with, withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The focus here is on redemption the redeeming of something and that we have been bought, redeemed by the precious blood of 
Christ, a lamb without blemish. Buying something, redeeming something, it's like God was walking through that antique store or he was walking through a a dirty, dusty garage and something caught his eye and he was going to stop at nothing to make whatever that item was his. He was going to redeem it, to take it from its current state how it was previously and make it into a special possession by the way of Christ's blood. He would would polish the tarnished areas. He would have noticed the, the spots where there were cracks or rust. Those areas that kept that special possession from being exactly what he intended it to be. He gives special attention to all his special possessions with the goal of making them into something that they had not been before. Renewing you. Transforming us. Day by day. Year by year. Through the power of Jesus and through the power of the Spirit at work in us, bringing us to that new place, the place of of prominence, the place where we now have a, a different purpose than what we had before. Instead of like the coffee maker that is used and abused or the, the coffee mill used and abused, he now sets us up on the shelf, something that displays his glory. Now, Peter, as he's talking about this redemption and redeeming, he says something that we could potentially take offense to. Verse 14, it says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. When I think of the word ignorance, I think ignorant. When you weren't smart? No, I don't think that's what he's talking about, is it? But if someone told me at one time that I was living in ignorance, I probably would take offense to that. If I said you were living in ignorance, would you take offense to that? Maybe a little bit, right? But the focus here is not our intelligence. It's not, it's not your ACT score of which mine was not great, it was 23. And I said that was good enough to get into wherever I went. And everyone, I see people laughing, uh, is not a very good score. Anyway, ignorance is not something to do with intelligence here. Instead, it's to do with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Living in ignorance means that Jesus himself had not yet been revealed to you, that you had not been made aware of who he was and then the full purpose that the Lord has for your life. 
Because when Christ redeems you, he, he not only makes you a special possession in God's eyes, but he gives you an entire new purpose to live in a completely different way than you did before, revealing how it is that we should respond to this, this grace and forgiveness that God has given each and every one of us as he as he took us in his hand and, and polished us up. As he took us in his hand and repaired the, the cracks in our bodies or in our minds. As he took us in his hand and redeemed and, and forgave us for all the darkness of sin that was in our life. And then he says, I have a new way for you to live. You're not, you're not ignorant of the way that I'm calling you to live because now it has been made known to you by how Jesus Christ himself lived. That you and that I, that we together would live in a way that reflects God's glory his love, His compassion, His mercy, His forgiveness. And one of the ways that we do that is, is by the verse 15 and 16 here. He calls us to be holy in all we do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. When we're redeemed... Jesus fundamentally changes how we think. So he changes how we live. We are changed, our eyes opened to the Lord's kingdom here and now, right here and now in this very world. To see those ways in which his kingdom is reflecting his glory, but also showing us those ways where it may not be reflecting his glory in those areas in our world where, where we need to see his kingdom realized more and more, where we need to see justice for the oppressed, where we need to see his love and compassion on those who are overlooked. Where we need to see the beauty of relationship, fellowship together in areas where there's discord, disagreement, and perhaps anger. And we only see what the Lord desires of his kingdom when, when he opens our eyes and, and he redeems us and he brings us to that new place of new thinking and new living. Where it was Jesus when he was talking to Nicodemus that said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Unless they have been redeemed by Jesus, they they won't have eyes to see the kingdom. That's the ignorance that we're talking about, right? They, 
They haven't had their eyes opened to what the Lord desires here in this world. And the Lord, the Lord moves us to, to change our lives in a way where we reflect that kingdom we desire to see, His kingdom that we read about in Scripture in each of the areas that we live. Not only, not only in those areas that we affect that are outside of ourselves, but also those areas that are, that are within, within ourselves. Though we have been forgiven of all our sin, there may be times in our life where we, we feel like sin still has a hold of us. But by the power of the Spirit, we have... We have a way forward, but the Spirit can give us the power that, that we would not give in to that temptation. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, he says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Wow. Because God's seed remains in them. The, the, spirit, the Spirit who is remaining in you and I Will, will give us the power, give us the, the wisdom that, that we need in each and every moment to, to, to keep us from falling into sin. He will provide that way forward so, so we do not get entrapped in, in by sin. So that our eyes would be opened in such a way to the Lord's kingdom that, that, that we could imagine moving forward in a way that would be contrary to, to what God calls for in our life. The problem though is at times there's, there's people who Maybe they don't know the change that's gone on inside of us. There's the old masters, you could say, that try to come back in our life and, and to, to desire us to live in a way contrary to what God calls. Ones that try to highlight those, those areas of weakness in our life where, where we're prone to, to sin. But because of the power of the Spirit, those old masters don't have control of your life anymore. Those old ways of, of sinning have no control over who you are in Christ today. You have been freed. Freed from the, the control of those things in your life and given freedom in Christ. Given healing in Christ. Given power in Christ. So that old life may, may never have control of you ever again. All coming from the precious 
redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. The, the only one that could ever have redeemed us from the pit of sin. And he looks at us. The Lord, the, the Father looks at us and he says, you're special. You're special. Don't, don't let everyone, anyone ever tell you that you're worthless. Don't, don't let anyone ever tell you that you're unimportant. I've, I've gone through the work of redeeming you so that you would know that you're special and that you are my child. I cleaned you up. I gave you a new life and a new purpose. Don't you know that Jesus had authority over all things? Authority over death. Authority over sin. And if he has the power to, to save you, to, to save me, to save all of us, then then He has the power to, to bring us through in a way living in the light of His resurrection, living in the light of His kingdom, glorifying Him. I think there's a, another perhaps uncomfortable verse in this text, though. Verse 17 since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, wait, who judges? Now, here's the interesting thing about this text. You could say that there's judgment for those who don't believe in Christ versus those who do, but this is talking about all Christians. That there is a judge, our heavenly Father, who will judge our work. This has nothing to do with salvation, though, I would like to say. Salvation is not a 90% off coupon that your works provide the other 10%. This is not coals, okay? It's not the way it works. Jesus, when he redeemed us, that was 100% of the salvation. But what does it mean that we will be judged then according to our work? This second type of judgment relating to how we are living as holy people as God has called us to. There's actually other places in Scripture that, that talk about a, a similar idea. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read five verses here. By the grace God has given me, this is Paul talking, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as only one escaping through the flames. Here we see another picture of some type of judging that will happen, that building upon the foundation of Christ, living our lives built on the foundation of Christ as people who are are saved and, and called as children of God, the, the way that we live our lives in glory to God will be something that is tested. You know, uh, Augustine uh, went on to say uh, that it is... Uh, this testing could end up being a reward, and, and the reward is God crowning his own special possession. That by the, the way we live, the, the fruit of how we live in honoring Christ, God then will reward us. Something on top of eternal life something on top of salvation, because that is already secure in our life. But God truly, in, in light of what we know about Christ, in what we, we know about, about how he lived, he desires us to live in that same manner, to, to glorify him, to, to bring about justice. To, to bring about his love and compassion as, as character traits that flow out of us. That we may bring glory and honor to God. That he may, that he may crown us. That he may, may reward us by saying, well, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You, you, you followed my call on your life. Well done. You sought to bring out my kingdom for those who had not experienced it before. Well done. You followed the, the new purpose that I had for your life. Well done. In making my kingdom known, in making my name, not your name, great. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it would be 
It would be our joy to see more and more people encounter the truth of your word. That that more and more people would have their eyes opened, that they are your special possession that has been bought with a price. That there would be more and more joining us on your mission, the mission you have for your church worldwide to to bring you glory and to bring your justice that all may experience your love and forgiveness and that all may find their delight and salvation in you. Use us, we pray, daily by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Let us rise together in body or spirit as we sing together this hymn to God be the glory as we have been chosen as God's special possession. He's done so that we may give glory back to him. Let us sing together to God be the glory. Thank you. 